Well, good morning, guys. It really is great to be here. And I think we should give a special shout out to Naomi for her exceptional ad living and hosting this morning. It's been brilliant. And if you've got any complaints, then do email Zach at centralchurch.co.uk. Joking that he's done a great job and the team have done brilliantly. Sorry about the mix up this morning, but we really believe that although this is frustrating and still with all that's going on in COVID, it's different and not as we'd choose to worship for many of us. We still believe that God is as powerful and ready to move and wants to meet with us this morning, whether we're at Central Hall or whether we're at home, we believe that God very much is on the throne and wants to meet with us in truly significant ways. So let's be expectant and faith-filled that even though this morning's had its hiccups, that God really wants to move. In fact, as we look at the passage we're going to look at in a few moments, I really believe that and the sense that God wants to do some significant things in and through his people and some healing and some restoration. And I wonder if some of these hiccups are just a reminder that we're in a battle and that God wants to free us and release us this morning. So we are in the big story and we've seen in the comments this morning that people are loving the big read because we really love the fact that the scripture is one story. And it's not like any other book because we believe that God's Holy Spirit is breathed into it and it's the authoritative word of God. And different stories, different Bible passages, different books coming together for one big story, one large meta-narrative. And when you realize that the Bible isn't just a collection of random books, but it's pointing prophetically towards Jesus, building on the life and teaching and ministry of Jesus, centering on his life, death and resurrection, it's just so beautiful and powerful to see how his whole story just centers and focus on Jesus. And that's our desire in this series that we look to Jesus, where hope and truth and freedom is found, that we center our lives on Jesus. Gandhi famously said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. But what we wanna do, particularly as we start to see the light at the end of the tunnel with COVID, is to see that we can center our lives on Christ and be more and more like him. Of course, what Gandhi said is deliberately quite provocative, but in a world now which is struggling in so many ways, we wanna love and worship God. We want to love and serve one another, love our city, love our nation, and build our lives on Jesus, centering everything we do on Jesus. And this morning, what I wanna look at is how can we have freedom in Jesus? How can we have freedom in Christ? And as we've seen, I'm sure this is a battleground because God wants to give us freedom, but equally the devil does not want us to have internal freedom. He doesn't wanna have freedom because what he did, he did on the cross is life, death and resurrection. And in this season of the pandemic, as we're going through and recognizing all the challenges it presents, we were chatting just the other day as a team about the fact that almost nobody has not been severely impacted in some way by this COVID-19. There's almost nobody who can say, actually, I'm fine, I'm doing well. All of us in different ways have found it a struggle. And it could be anxiety or mental health or identity. But we want to turn to Jesus this morning and discover what freedom is afresh. We want him to to teach us about his freedom that's available to each and every one of us this morning. Where on the back of COVID-19, there's acute loneliness, social anxiety, fear, fear of a future of the unknowns. We trust that God can offer freedom to all of us, that he wants to bring his hope and freedom to us this morning. Rather than looking to the comfort of the latest Netflix series or a particular relationship or a job or a circumstance, we want to look to Jesus. There is freedom in Christ. And this is an internal freedom we can know because of what he's done on the cross. 
because he's lived and died and rose again so we can have freedom in him because of our salvation and our forgiveness of sins and eternal life with him now i need to say that i'm not the expert at this this isn't me sharing how to be like me anything but just recently i have been going through counseling recognizing there's internal healing that i need to know what does it look like for me to have freedom and restoration in jesus what does it look like for me to live on truths that are centered on christ I've made huge progress, but even last Sunday as I went back to Central Hall, just to be vulnerable and honest, I was sick in the morning, just aware of the changes and the circumstances around me. This isn't become like Andy. This is how can we have freedom in Jesus? How can we get to know Jesus in a way that gives us freedom and peace and joy and hope and strength today amidst all that's going on? We're all learning together. We're all trying to be more like Jesus. We're all trying to understand what it is to have freedom and hope and joy in Jesus. But if you've got it all together and you're watching online this morning and you're thinking, man, I've got it sorted. I'm, I don't need any healing. Then honestly, flick on Netflix, watch The Last Dance, a Michael Jordan documentary. It's exceptional, totally brilliant. I won't be offended if you choose that. I'd be honored. But for the rest of us who are broken and in need of healing and restoration and strength this morning, needing to know what freedom is afresh in Jesus. Let's turn to scripture and see what Jesus has to say to us. Why don't I pray and then we'll open up God's word. Lord, I just pray as we open up your word, that once again, your word would speak powerfully and profoundly to each and every one of us. Whether we have looked at this Bible for many, many years and we know the stories inside out, or whether we're not yet believers, I pray that you would speak afresh to us in a truly powerful and significant way. Holy Spirit, come and provide us with a sense of your strength and hope and reassurance this morning. Amen. So we're in Exodus 14 from verse 10 to 20. So Exodus 14, 10 to 20. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the hearts. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of a cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. Coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel, throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went ahead, sorry, neither went near the other all night long. So this story is part of a much bigger story about the exodus of God's people. The Pharaoh that some of us remember about the story of Joseph, who was largely a good leader, was now a Pharaoh a few, genera- few generations on, who was evil, whose heart had become hard, who was oppressing God's people. And there were 10 plagues sent, sent to stop the oppression of God's people, but Pharaoh just wouldn't listen to the warnings of God. The 10th plague was that all the firstborns would be killed. 
And Moses was instructed by God that there would be blood of a lamb on top of the door frame so that when the angel of death came over, that would pass over and keep and preserve the firstborns of the Israelites. And after 10 plagues of not harming God's people and Pharaoh getting increasingly frustrated and the oppression on him because of how he's treating God's people, he gives up and says, get out of here. I've tried everything I can to make your life hell. Get out of here. Leave Egypt. But then just as they're leaving Egypt, he changes his mind and chases after them. And that's the point of the story we're here today where he's chasing them chasing Moses as Moses tries to take the people over the Red Sea, trying to escape the years of enslavement and Pharaoh and his armies are chasing behind. The people of Israel had been in bondage for 450 years, 450 years, and understand there was an identity attached to the people. Had their identity become the, the enslaved people with people in bondage? How does that become their identity? Does that become your identity? Because there's stuff in your life that you just can't shake off, stuff in your life that you, and labels that's been owning you and you're physically saying, that's who I am, I'll always be like this. They were the enslaved people. And now they were on their way to a promised land. Imagine the excitement, the joy, the celebration, the anticipation, the sense of relief, the end of an era perhaps. But perhaps even some concern and fear about the unknowns, perhaps some anxiety about what's coming ahead. It could even be how you're feeling with lockdown, excitement and anticipation and hope looking forward, but equally unease and nerves and anxiety around the unknowns and the uncertainty of what's coming up. Moses takes his people and his step between the Egypt and towards the promised land. He's crossing the Red Sea. He raises his staff and the sea parts. When the people had crossed immediately, the sea comes around and collapses on the chariots and the people who are oppressing them, Pharaoh and his armies are thrown into turmoil. Moses led them out of the Red Sea. The angel of the Lord that had been guiding them and showing them away was now behind them and protecting them from Pharaoh and the chariots. These years of being enslaved were now over. Freedom was finally here for them. The story for those of us who've been following Jesus any length of time has so many obvious parallels with the freedom offered in Jesus. Tim Keller, the scholar and pastor in America, says, if there's one story we have to look at Christocentrically, it's this one. If there's one story we have to look through the lens of Jesus, it's this one. Moses, the most revered leader in the Old Testament, was, was being mirrored now by Jesus. Jesus was the new leader, was the new saviour, was the son of God who came to offer life after death, forgiveness of sins, hope in eternity. So much so that when God's people heard this, they were actually offended by him walking on water. When Jesus walked on water, the Israelites were offended, not because it was a miracle or a supernatural, but because of him walking on water, he was saying, I'm now the new Moses. I'm now the new leader. Look to me. I'm the one who will take you to the promised land. I'm now the leader of God's people. This new leader came to take the enslaved people, those of us in bondage to the promised land. His life was given to redeem us from sin and suffering. The Greek word for redemption is literally released from bondage. It's a direct mirror of this story, released from bondage. The blood on the, the door frames was now the Passover lamb, which was Jesus given for us. Jesus's body and blood shed for us. His sacrifice, his death, offering us salvation and eternal life. His life offering redemption and salvation for all his followers. 
Salvation isn't a two-sided bargain. It's us responding to what God has done. He offers us all forgiveness of sins and hope in him. In Luke's transfiguration, where Moses is talking to Jesus, the word that Moses used when talking to Jesus about his death is exodus, a translation of the word exodus, a direct parallel here to saying that you are now the new Moses. You are the ultimate savior. You are the one who people have been waiting for, the promised leader, the one who's going to take us to the promised land. The ultimate exodus is now here, a call to the promised land with Jesus forevermore. An understanding that we can live in freedom here and now because of what he's done for us in eternity. So what does that mean for us today? What does that mean this morning? What does it mean for us as we try and live as those who are no longer enslaved but free in Christ? Are we living in that freedom? Are we living as the people out of bondage, people who are called to the promised land? We've recently bought some chrysalises that become butterflies and our neighbours have also got some and out of five, four of theirs went to be with the Lord, which is quite sad, so do pray for them. But that, ours have become these kind of beautiful butterflies and we've seen the transition. We actually got our kids up about sort of nine o'clock last night because they were, we saw one transfer from a chrysalis to a butterfly. Now, the reality is that when you see this, what happens is the transformation, you see that the, the transformation from his chrysalis to a butterfly is truly incredible. Our three-year-old Tobin is just totally blown away because he's excited about releasing them at the right time. But when we realize that we, God wants to nurture in us and grow in us and develop us and allow us to live in that freedom, it's like that butterfly to be in all the beauty and power that God's created us to live within. To be called to be, all we're called to be the children of God made in his image. But if we're not careful, we can live like God's people under the law. You see, soon after Moses takes his people across the Red Sea, he heads to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. And these laws were given to God's people to live, to help them live fruitful lives, free lives, the best lives, to be attractive in their distinctiveness, so others could see how to love one another, so others could see how to live in community, so others could see how to worship God. The law was given to free them, for them to be fulfilled people, to be the chosen people. It was a missional act. It was for others to see how God was working through his people. But soon after, they became slaves to the law. The law that was there to liberate became liberating. God wants us to be free and released like these butterflies, as cheesy as that is. He wants us to understand the freedom here and now. Our story can too easily be that we're not living in freedom in Christ. We're bound by religion, bound by this world, bound by the weight of expectation, bound by self-inflicted pressure, bound by pressures of what other people put to us, but not truly living in freedom in Christ. For many of us, we've been Christians for years, and we understand this. We understand that Jesus' life sets us free. For many of us, we're perhaps new to this, and we can even, although maybe not follow Jesus, we understand that he gives us eternal life. He gives us freedom from our sins. He gives us freedom from impression. And we can read Romans 6, verse 22 and 23, that says, But now you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and results is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, we can understand that with our heads. But if we're not careful, it can become head knowledge and not heart knowledge. Paul's letter to the Romans is rich in theology. 
It's rich in a deep understanding how we can have true freedom, how we can be free from the enslavement of sin. But we can easily live subject to rules and religion, expectations and pressures, self-inflicted. We can live to the pressures of the world around us. We can be in bondage of the sin of our past. We can think because of what happened years ago to us or things we did years ago, we're never truly free. This is broad brushstroke, but excuse the simplification. But in Galatians, Paul almost shifts gear. He then says in the book of Galatians that we're called to live free and to live as sons and daughters. In Galatians 4 verse 7, it says, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. It's not just about understanding of our head, it's about living it in our hearts. As an heir, you receive everything. The readers of Galatians understood that as an heir who was given the inheritance from their father, they were literally promised everything. They lived in freedom knowing that they were given everything. Everything was there, secure, and was available to them when their father passed away. It's promised you. Paul encouraged us to live as sons and daughters, not as slaves. Knowing about our inheritance means that we can live in freedom here and now. We can live in freedom because of God's grace. If we go back to the story of the Red Sea crossing, we remember the crossing that people were desperate to give up. People were escaping Egypt, the oppression and the horrendous lifestyle there, but they were prepared to turn back and die. They were moaning, Moses, why have you brought us here? Why do you want us to die? We'd have rather have died in Egypt. They were desperate. They'd reached their limits of fatigue. They were fed up with trying. They were in desperation. They were depressed and they wanted to chuck it in. Maybe that's how you feel this morning. Maybe you feel like you've given everything and you've got nothing left in the tank. They were desperate to give up. They were desperate to turn back. And then my favorite verse in the whole of scripture, Exodus 14, verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I remember when I was at London School of Theology, I was struggling with some things around basketball and around girls, two very significant and really difficult situations and a trivial in hindsight by the time my world was collapsing and I remember just praying and reading my bible in a year and each day there was a bible verse highlighted and that day was exodus 14 verse 14 you won't particularly care but that was also my basketball numbers so it really spoke to me but the lord will fight for you you need only to be still it's all about his grace his power his freedom it's all about him fighting on our behalf Jesus in the New Testament says his grace is always sufficient. We're not bound by the law or expectations. We are called to live freely in grace. It's all about his grace. We're called to live in freedom, not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is. We're called to live in freedom. Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago to offer us freedom from oppression, freedom in eternal life. Dane Ortland in his book, Gentle and Lonely, a really excellent book, says there's no such thing as grace. We're not given a thing. We were sent a person. Grace is no more and no less than Jesus. He came so we can live in freedom. He came so we could live and understand freedom, not just the kind of worldly way of be who you want to be or be the best version of you or you can do anything if you believe. No, no, no. Real freedom is not having any of the traps and enslavement of this world but trusting jesus we experience freedom from sin freedom from guilt and shame freedom from the oppression freedom from bondage 
When everything around us feels like it's collapsing, we have an internal freedom, knowing we have hope in him, eternal life in him, everlasting life with Jesus. There's freedom available for each and every one of us this morning, a renewed freedom available. And we see that because we're called to no freedom ourselves, we're also called to allow others to receive this incredible freedom to help them physically with injustices and to break down the bondage of physical enslavement and challenges and injustices in the world around us, but for ultimately other individuals to know eternal hope in Jesus. We see Moses in this story. He helps people escape the oppression and we're called to fight the injustices, but ultimately shows them eternal hope in Jesus. He points them towards Jesus. He shows them the way to the promised land. God cares about oppression. He cares about injustice and we're called to fight for that. And equally, we're called to tell others about the good news in Jesus. We are called to be the freedom people and to help other people experience freedom for themselves. We're called to help them know freedom physically, emotionally, and ultimately, most crucially, spiritually. The story is told of Abraham Lincoln, the 19th century American president, who went to the slave block and he went to bid for a slave. I think if you're careful, you can hear my the neighbor's dog barking, so apologies for that. But he went to, Abraham Lincoln went to this slave block and he went to pay for a slave and he completely outbid everyone and paid for the slave way more than what she was considered to be worth. Just kept outbidding and outbidding and paid for her. And people were laughing at him. Why are you paying so much for this slave? She's not worth that. And then he paid for her and he went over to her and she, and she said, why did you buy me? And he said, I paid for you so you can be free. And the first thing she says is, what even is freedom? What, what do you mean by being free? I mean, so I've paid for you to go and be whoever you want to be, live your life, dream your dreams, have freedom. He said, and she's like, I don't understand. He said, like, go and be who you want to be, do what you want to do, live what you want to live. I've paid for you to be free. I've bought you so you can be free. And she says, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. Jesus came to offer us forgiveness of our sins and freedom. And he says to us this morning, I'm not going to force anything on you. I'm not going to put any pressure on you. I've called to liberate you. And then we realize that we say, I want to follow you. Do you know what true freedom is? Like the slave this morning, do you understand that freedom is available for you? But equally, when you realize that ultimate freedom comes from following him and saying, I want to follow you. He gives us a choice, he doesn't force us, but we realize that eternal hope and freedom and life in all its fullness is through following Jesus and saying, no matter how difficult my life gets, no matter what the circumstances around me, I know that I can have hope and joy and peace and strength and ultimately salvation in Jesus. I'm called to be liberated by him. In a moment, we're going to take communion in a few moments. And communion is the direct parallel to the Passover. So the Passover was given to the Jews to celebrate the passing over. But here now we have rec- a recognition that the blood was shed. The body was given in the name of Jesus so we could have eternal life and forgiveness of sins. But there's also a reminder that his grace is sufficient today. As we take a bite of that bread and drink from that wine, we realize his grace is sufficient here and now. He comes to give you freedom. He comes to give you his grace. I'm going to finish by just sharing some Bible verses. And what I want us to do will be on the screen in a moment is just to reflect for us. What does freedom look like? Where do you need to know God's freedom this morning? 
And for those at Central Hall, I'm going to read them out because the screen won't be particularly big and name will come up in a minute and just move on. But we're just going to spend a time meditating on some truth because however we come to Jesus this morning, his grace is sufficient. There's freedom available. He comes to liberate and restore and bring hope and joy. Let me read a few Bible verses and then we'll just have a pause and a moment to reflect on it. If we're overwhelmed by sin, Jesus says you are totally forgiven. Romans 8, 1 to 4, we are totally forgiven. If you're feeling like you're a slave to the world, you, you're not living in freedom. Jesus says you're a daughter and a son of God. You're a daughter and a son of God. You might be feeling unlovable because of things that have happened, but Jesus says you are loved so deeply that he went to the cross. He went to the cross for you and I. You might be feeling not good enough, but Jesus says you are chosen by God. Each and every one of us is chosen by God. John 15, verse 16. You might be feeling overwhelmed, but Jesus says, I give you a peace that surpasses understanding. Philippians 4, verse 7. You might be feeling weak and weary and at your wit's end. And Jesus says, I give you strength. You might be feeling not capable, not able, but Jesus says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is always sufficient. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. Let me gonna pray for us and then we're just going to have a moment just to reflect. What is it that God wants to bring you a renewed freedom this morning? Lord, I just pray for each and every person this morning. There'll be a real sense of you meeting with them. And we're aware that this is different, that this is not our preferred way of gathering and worshipping. But you are no less powerful. And I pray that there'll be healing and breakthrough and that people would know once again by the power of your blood shed and your body broken for us that there's restored hope, there's healing, freedom and forgiveness available to each and every one of us. And I pray that we would leave this call this morning transformed. Holy Spirit, come and minister in each and every house. Come and minister at Central Hall, we pray. Amen.